Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Adam Ragusea today from WFIU. And our guest will be uh, Indiana University President Michael McRobbie. If you have questions or comments for the president, uh, you could phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu and we'll try to start taking those uh, calls and emails in in a little bit. The president's uh, – we, we've had to start a little bit early today. Today's a very, very strange day. Yeah, today's an exciting day for those of us in the news business, certainly, and for everybody else around the Bloomington area, certainly. Uh, a lot going on. Yeah, I, we have, uh, of course, Hillary Clinton is coming to town. The latest word we have is that she start, she's going to be here at 2 o'clock today. Oh, really? Yes, and the O'Bannon Institute is something I've been involved with for the last three years. It's at uh, Ivy Tech Community College today, and uh, their speaker that uh, I'm scheduled to interview at 2.30 is um, – uh, Paul Begala, who's a former uh, counselor for President Bill Clinton, and, and also, a Crossfire fame, and a Crossfire Crossfire fame, and he also ran the he and, and James Carville ran the first Clinton campaign and run several campaigns. So that will be uh, interesting, and that's going to get me out of here at halftime of this show. So, well, I'll uh, I'll try to fill your shoes as best I can at that point, Bob. Uh, I should make some notes for uh, those of us, those of our listeners who are hearing us in the future right now, because we're going to be rebroadcasting this program on. Monday. So if it's Monday where you are, uh, you won't be able to call in, uh, but we're still going to be uh, bringing this program to you because we know there's a lot of interest in it. Uh, so much of the uh, so much of our listenership is affiliated with Indiana University in some way or another. So much, so many folks in our community are invested in it. And you know, Bob, this is the time of year when the campus of IU Bloomington becomes just the most one of the most beautiful places on <laughs> earth. I mean, isn't it? Oh yeah, it absolutely is, and it's it's just great to drive through here and, and see all the activity and everything that's going on. You know, the reason we're we're broadcasting at one, if anybody uh, has has sort of tuned in and, and isn't aware of it, is because the the state um, public broadcasting system did a um, two day session with the two. Democratic gubernatorial candidates. Uh, Joe Long Thompson was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we had Jim Schellinger earlier Jim today. Jim Schellinger was today. And so that bumped us back to uh, 1 o'clock for noon edition, which is sort of ironic. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but I think uh, we're going to be able to get the president here in just a moment. I can see him making his way. <laughs> and we're going to be delighted to have him. Yeah. So uh, Michael McRobbie has been here with us before. Sure. He's uh, he, he needs... He, need, he needs no instruction on how to how to do anything. So, so it's all right. And he's making his way to the microphone at this moment. Right. President McRobbie, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. We're we're uh, as we were. Adam and I were talking. This has been kind of a crazy day. I'm sure you you have a lot of crazy days, but been a bit of a crazy year, Bob. <laughs> That's true. It has been a, been a crazy year. But uh, today, with all the activity going on in town, and of course, next weekend's graduation. That'll be a, a nice weekend for you too. Right. Yeah. Well, there's. What is it? I think it's nine separate graduations I have to do wow. all over the state. Yeah. Bloomington next weekend and then after that, uh, well, two, two uh, Bloomington graduations next weekend, then all the regional campuses and uh, IUPUI. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate your taking your time out today. And, Delighted. And we always. appreciate the flexibility that you had. We're, we're certainly not used to being here at 1 o'clock for noon edition. That's, that's, that's for certain. <laughs> but thank you very Bit much. Of a problem about truth and advertising. Uh, yeah, right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, we have several things we want to talk to you about today. And, and sure. I, I, I would like to, to start with um, an issue. You know, I've, I've got a list of several things that you've 
set as your agenda, and one of them has to do with minority enrollment and and more diversity on campus. And and just last week, or I, it might have been earlier this week, the faculty council. Uh, their, their diversity and affirmative action committee's annual report came out and it showed some progress, but it still showed that IU is, I believe, 11th out of the Big Ten, which is 11 institutions, and the University of Chicago, so 11th out of 12 in terms of, of faculty, um, diversity of faculty. And I want you to comment on that. Is that uh, do you see that as progress or, or is there a lot of work to be done? Oh, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt, Bob. There's a, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, part of the problem is is actually finding the right way of uh, dealing with uh, with this issue. Uh, I, I think the, the the other problem we face is, is that uh, minority faculty um, are, are frankly very much in demand, um, and I know that in the case of a number of schools, they've made offers to um, quite a number of minority faculty to have them all rejected. Now, it, it, what I think we may not have done full analysis on yet is. Um, if the re- what the reasons were for not accepting our offers uh, were they salary related or or uh, other reasons, I expect they could be salary related. But I think at least in some parts of the university, like obviously I think the the law school with a new gift from the Lilly Endowment, they may be able to um, ad- address that uh, that problem there. But but I, I certainly see evidence of of improvement, and I and I know that um, without uh, going into detail because we don't have all the detail yet, but it. We're pretty optimistic about uh, the the makeup of our incoming freshman class, although it's still not defined. We don't uh, we don't have all the details in yet, but so far minority applications are up considerably. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now the uh, percentage, I, I believe, is sixteen percent of the IU Bloomington's total faculty is minority, and that's higher than the student body as a whole, is it not? It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. The, the student body in total is uh, less than 10 percent. Yeah, so you're making some good strides yeah, on the faculty. That's right, yeah. And, and uh, But it's uh, cl- clearly you, you want to be uh, a little closer to the balance in the state, and the, the state percentage is closer to the, actually the faculty mix, which is interesting. But I think uh, that's why we'd like to see that student figure come up, and, and I think we will make um, inroads next year. If I could just ask, why is it important? Having a diverse faculty and a diverse student body, in your mind oh, specifically, be, be, why is it important? Because, I mean, I think there's a, there's a combination of responses. Uh, firstly, because it it ensures that the that the student body and the the faculty body, the staff body too, which we shouldn't forget here, um, reflects something like the composition of American society, so that uh, that students aren't being educated in a sort of an anomalous uh, environment from that point of view. I mean, it gives them something closer to the environment in which they're going to work when they move out of the university. It's the first thing. Second thing um, is is that uh, some of our financial aid programs um, uh, that, we, that we've developed over the last couple of years, in particular the 21st Century Scholars Program, uh, has been a way of, of trying to ensure that uh, able, very able uh, young minority students uh, can actually, from, but from very low income, very low income backgrounds, in family incomes are less than fifty thousand dollars, can actually get uh, an IU education. And um, uh, our Matching the Promise campaign and various other initiatives that we put in place have actually made the cost of an education for. Uh, students who in that category who are disproportionately minority um, almost free. All right, we've got a phone call already, so <laughs> let's go. Let's go to Steve on the phone. Steve, hello, President McRobbie. Yes, I'm honored to have this opportunity to speak with you. 
Um, I have a 30-year relationship with Indiana University as a student, employee, and alumnus. IU is a great institution, and I care deeply about its future, so I was very happy to see the IU Sustainability Report that was published last year. But I'm disappointed that not much action has been taken since then. I know there are students and faculty who have taken up the cause, but I haven't heard much from the administration. Well, there's there's been, uh, I mean, for example, I think it was just two weeks ago, there was the announcement of a, a major new uh, centre in environmental science called CRESS that is uh, directly in alignment with exactly what was called for as part of uh, the, the sustainability report. Um, the, the report, uh, if you've read it, is... Um, uh, extremely extensive, very detailed, very impressive piece of work, but it cuts across um, probably nearly every portfolio, every vice presidential portfolio in the university. So um, after having had a number of discussions on it already uh, in the key, um, with, the, with the, the key uh, senior administrators in the university, what we're in the process of doing now is, is looking at um, which office should take responsibility for consideration of uh, the some of the uh, very large set of recommendations there to see just how um, feasible, realistic, and, and so on they are. So uh, that um, work has now been done by uh, Vice President Claypax's office, and at the next meeting of my cabinet, which I think is in about three weeks, we will be uh, we'll be looking at um, uh, at the report at a much higher level of granularity. Let, let me say that the that um, this is an extremely important issue, but there, there are a whole range of, of um, uh, very important issues, and, and we, we simply want to ensure that uh, that that rather than uh, respond in a knee-jerk way, that we give this appropriate and serious consideration. And if we want to, if some of these changes are going to actually happen, uh, we want to do them in uh, in the most um, effective way uh, in the offices in the university. Uh, that have responsibility for that area. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're taking this seriously. Uh, and I oh, just sure. want to suggest one thing. A good place to start would be with transportation and parking policy because great gains can be made right. at relatively low cost in that sector. Right. Let, let, me say, let me say on that in particular, I, mean, I completely agree with you. Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I did that you may be uh, aware of is that uh, early this year in uh, January, I pointed a new master planner for the university and have given the master planner basically this calendar year to uh, complete a major new master plan for this campus and for our Indianapolis campus. I met with him just this week to get a sort of a progress report. Um, uh, transportation, uh, making um, the, the campus more pedestrian-friendly, rationalising uh, parking, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is a major, major uh, item on his agenda. And I expect that the recommendations that come out of that will, uh, over uh, the, the, the longer term, uh, really start to, to address that. I, I, but I don't think we're any different to most other campuses. Everybody understands that the model for parking and transportation that uh, may have worked 30 or 40 years ago really does need um, a serious overhaul. Well, excellent. Um, thanks for listening. Pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Steve. Eight five five zero eight one one is our local number, 877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And I'll remind you again that we're going to replay this program on Monday. So if it is Monday, you can't make those calls. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask uh, about the uh, governor's 
announced plan this week to try to help make higher education accessible. I mean, he, his uh, proposal says that it would assure Indiana high school graduates are guaranteed two years of paid tuition at Ivy Tech Community College or the equivalent at, at uh, one of Indiana's colleges or universities. What kind of involvement or input did you have into that plan? Do you think this is something that uh, will be of benefit to Hoosiers? Oh, this this is very much the governor's plan. Um, but uh, I, I think he he has been. Um, I, I'm speculating, but I but I believe he's probably been influenced by the uh, well nationwide debate about accessibility and affordability in, in universities. Um, and has probably seen what what we have done, and then more recently what Purdue has done in this area, and is, is I, I I believe probably thinking about well how does one how does one generalise that model to to the whole state? It, it will be interesting for Indiana University, um, especially on the Bloomington campus, given as I was just saying to Adam that we've put in place all of this financial aid and through uh, private philanthropy, where um, for students in that very low income category. Pretty much all the all the cost of attendance at the university is actually taken care of. So um, uh, the question will be: How will the governor's plan, as best we understand it from relatively brief details at the moment, impact that? So I, I've actually already asked our CFO and um, provost and Chancellor Mance at APUI and a couple of others to to start looking at uh, what the impact of of plan that plan or uh, variations on it will, will have for us. I mean, it'll obviously be be positive. And of course, the the other key consideration is. Um, how will this be funded? And and that, of course, is a matter for the governor and the legislature. And uh, but but I think in general we applaud uh, anything, any in- initiative by the state that both encourages students to get degrees, associate's degrees or or, or full uh, baccalaureate degrees, um, and uh, anything that that stresses to students the importance of education, the value of education, anything that makes it easier for students from um, low-income backgrounds to get those kinds of education. So the governor's, I think, to be commended for that. And I suppose that anything that increases enrollment at Ivy Tech is ultimately down the line going to increase or in some way impact Indiana University as more people are being brought into higher education in general. Well, I think think that um, bringing more people into higher education in general, in the state, is is an unambiguous good, um, and I think that uh, for a university with eight campuses and a hundred thousand students, uh, with um, a clo- with with more closely developing relationships with Ivy Tech, we just signed an agreement between IU East and Ivy Tech just a month or so ago, and I, I've uh, we're in this fortuitous situation where you have both a new president of IU, well, relatively new now, a new president at Purdue and a new uh, president of Ivy Tech. And all three of us have hit it off uh, very well. And uh, the model that we put in place with East just a month or so ago between myself and President Snyder is a model we want to look at putting in place uh, all over the state for all our campuses with respect to their local Ivy Techs. And what that's going to do is, is I think, improve the ability to articulate uh, an Ivy Tech education for the best Ivy Tech students to convert it into into an IU education, and if they do well enough on a regional campus, to convert it into a Bloomington or IEPY education. All right, we have a phone call. Let's go to Eric. Hello, Eric. Hello. Go right ahead. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call, and it's a pleasure to speak to you, President McRobbie. Delighted. I, I'm actually a professional staff on campus, and um, I just wanted to uh, reiterate. Um, a comment or, or expound on a comment you made about um, the importance of diversity in, among students and faculty. Uh, I think you're off to a great start. Um, you have an incredible staff. 
professional staff and administrators that are working on these issues. I would just add that um, diversity in the classroom has been shown to um, enhance the intellectual development of all students. Um, you get multiple perspectives on different issues. Right. And it's, it's not just um, racial diversity, but regional, international perspectives. When you're dealing with an issue, if there's people who, have, who are from different um, backgrounds that bring different perspectives, it just adds like a rich, thick, right. descriptive um, sense to, to different policy issues or experiences. And that, that really enhances the intellectual development of all students and prepares IU students to enter a world that has a global economy and changing demographics and, and such. Yeah, so I no. want to thank you for the work you're doing and um, keep up the good work and your staff is amazing. Well, I appreciate that. Let me, just, let me add that that uh, I, I agree exactly with your point, and that was why when um, I appointed uh, Vice President Ed Marshall, uh, his, his title is Vice President for Diversity, Multicultural Affairs and uh, Equity, and it picks up exactly those points, and his responsibilities pick up exactly those points that you raised. Yes, and he's my boss, and he's doing an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for appointing him, and... Um, and I think you're going to see some great results coming out of his division. He's, he's an excellent um, man. Through. In fact, I think he's giving some major international uh, address in uh, overseas at the moment as we speak. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right, Eric. Thanks a lot for All the right. call. Thank you very much. All Bye. right. And uh, Ed Marshall's been he – was, he was a guest on this program too. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about the plans for a technology park out on uh, 10th Street, mm-hmm. essentially around 10th and in the, in the bypass. Uh, you know, we had a story in our paper recently about some of the, the shifting – wins, I guess, about technology parks in, in our community because there had been a plan to, to try to create one in the downtown area. And I believe the, the IU, I mean, the, the city can't really create one without IU having a major impact. So your plan to create one uh, more on the east side, talk about the advantages of that. Right. I think if, if, you, if you look at some other models, uh, and, and you don't even have to go outside the state to look at models of successful uh, technology parks, the the job that Purdue has done with Discovery Park is, is first rate. I'm a, I'm a great fan of what President Jiski did to establish Discovery Park. And, of course, they have another park, uh, which is more of a commercial technology park as well. Um, these are very large-scale enterprises. And um, if, if we are to establish a comparable facility, which is, which is my goal, um, we're going to need a number of things. One of them is, is um, the space to be able to expand in that direction. And the second is, um, is co-location with some key parts of the university that will be uh, of um, direct importance and relevance to um, possibly commercial partners or certainly to people interested in um, uh, taking university intellectual property and, uh, and commercialising it in some way. So uh, at Tenth and the Bypass, which is really going to become the, the centre of our activities in that area, in fact... Um, at the trustees' meeting this uh, let's see Thursday, uh, the uh, the final proposal for the incubator, a site for the uh, incubator that uh, that I announced in my inaugural speech, inauguration speech, uh, will be uh, will go to the trustees there, and so that'll be and that'll be that building there, the data centre, which is really the hub of uh, certainly this campus, is, and to some extent the university's IT infrastructure is proceeding at a fairly rapid pace out there as well, and we we have a, a plan for a further building that would support IT out there, which is not yet um, 
are fully funded. And but the hope is that that we can expand um, in in that area in support of the university's aims and activities in economic development. I should also point out that there are, there are some other important facilities out there as well. The auxiliary library facility, which obviously is a storage place for for books that uh, that um, they they really can't store in the in the world's library, um, but it also has importantly a significant conservation part to it. There's also going going to the trustees on Thursday will be uh, a, a recommendation to expand that uh, considerably as well. So that that really is the area that'll combine both our. Uh, technology initiatives and many of our auxiliary, um, relatively high-tech uh, services out there as well. Okay, um, this is a time of, of very high interest in politics locally, and I and I, I didn't want today to get by without asking you about um, you know the fact that we've had presidential candidates on campus this year for the first time, maybe since uh, I think it was. 90 years ago mm-hmm. in Bloomington. Um, what, what, is, what does that kind of opportunity mean to the university and to the students of the university? Oh, I think it's, I think it's just wonderful. Um, uh, I, in in uh, my, what, uh, nearly, um, well, uh, 11 and a half years here, going into 12 years here, uh, having, having uh, lived through a number of uh, previous uh, federal election campaigns, We've got almost no attention. I mean, in fact, I could probably say we've had no attention. <laughs> I think that's fair to <laughs> it'd prob- say. It'd probably be true. All of a sudden, there's this, this massive attention that the state's getting for reasons we all know. Um, and But I think for students, it it really um, brings the, the abstract of a federal election campaign um, home to them uh, as to what it comprises, the issues, uh, the the debates the, uh, uh, the 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 party system how it's functioning uh, um, the, uh, the 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 primary system within the within the parties how that functions and so on so I think I think this is um, our students who are interested in politics which certainly seems to be an increasing number this because the the enthusiasm for uh, one candidate or the other um, uh, uh, from all three candidates. Uh, seems to be at a level beyond which I, I can remember in previous years, and uh, and it, it really is a, a practical laboratory for the students to learn about um, the, the the civic political process. Have you heard anything from uh, any of the candidates about higher education that have have struck you as a particularly creative idea? That's a good question, Bob. I I, I haven't um, I haven't really heard anything that I would say was. Um, Unique or novel yet? Um, I'm hoping maybe that will change. Um, I think there there seems to be a general understanding of the importance of uh, basic research, and um, and uh, I certainly I, I believe that both uh, both the senators who are who are uh, fighting out at the moment um, I think are supporting uh, the additional funding um, that was cut out of the budget last year for the Department of Energy, which meant that such, such great facilities as Fermilab, where we have scientists from time to time work, um, lost a large amount of funding to the, I think, extreme detriment of uh, of American science. And I, I wrote um, a letter to all of our delegation and the uh, university presidents at other universities comparable to ours have been doing the same thing, distressing the importance of uh, restoring that funding for those great uh, scientific institutions. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have another phone call. It's Paul this time. Paul? Yes, hi. Go ahead. Hello. Hi, President McCrabby. How are you? Good. Um, I want to follow up on the earlier question about the sustainability report. Um, it's really two-parter. Um, first of all, 
um, when might we expect to hear from you uh, after the deliberations of the various um, vice presidents and, and other um, administrators about um, what the university is going to do about a formal uh, declaration of involvement in sustainability, for example. Um, there's the Telwar Declaration, I'm sure you're familiar with, mm -hmm. um, that hundreds of other presidents of universities in this country and others have signed on that indicates a commitment um, to sustainability campus-wide. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, I'll, I'll just make two comments. Uh, we, we are at the... Uh the absolute uh, busiest time of the year, and it's been a for a variety of reasons, a yes. particularly busy busy semester. Um, this is th this is something that we'll have more time to uh, to deal with over over the summer. Um, but let me just say, with respect to to declarations, there's a variety of declarations out there. Um, you don't um, you don't have to sign a declaration to understand the importance of sustainability. I mean, I don't believe there's a link between the two. Firstly, and secondly, as far as some of these declarations are concerned, there are many major public universities like ours who have not signed some of these declarations because they think they are unrealistic for a large public university that is expanding. So, um, th this to me is is a matter which is, as a university administrator, we. We should not jump into it in a, in a knee-jerk way. We need to need to look at it uh, dispassionately with respect to what are the interests of the university and the community and so on as well. And that's what uh, we're in the process of trying to do. What form then would you say the university might take if not signing on to somebody else's declaration? What form of commitment do you think the university might take? Oh, well, I mean, I think the, the, the commitment that we've already made in a whole variety of ways and an expansion of those. I mean, I think it's... Uh, uh, I've already indicated that, um, you know, for example, uh, transportation and parking is a major issue that I've asked the master planner to address. We've established uh, at least one major new research centre in the last um, uh, couple of months. Uh, I know there's actually very interesting discussions going on between between the a number of research centres of the Bloomington campus and uh, at IPY about possibly combining them into one one very large scale centre across both campuses um, and those are those discussions are ongoing why this is important to me is is that as a university um, we we have uh, stacks of first class scientists who who are thinking hard about the the whole range of different issues and problems in this in this area and uh, a solution a, a a radical innovation coming out of one of our laboratories could have a vaster effect on on these issues than uh, many other um, actions that we could take that may be more incremental. So I, I'm I'm particularly supportive of um, a more robust intellectual agenda in this area um, at at IU. I think as a great research university, this is exactly what we should be doing. And you feel like the faculty and administrators and students um, have received that message from you that you are in fact so strongly supportive of sustainability-related efforts? Well, um, I, I think I've answered, uh, you know, the question. I mean, I think I've, I've made it clear through uh, a number of, uh, you know, initiatives that I've been responsible for that, that uh, 
that the university takes these issues very seriously. Well, we appreciate the call from Paul, but uh, I just want to mention that we have a lot of emails here that we're looking at, and so many of them are on the issue of sustainability, and there's a couple of points I do want to try to get in before Mm -hmm. we hit halftime. And uh, it seems that the common thesis across all of them is people are wondering if the university is willing to do things that might hinder its short-term competitiveness for the for the long-term benefits of sustainability. One of the uh, questions that got brought up in, I think, three of these emails is, will the university look at, uh, at uh, taking steps to further to discourage uh, underclassmen from bringing their cars to campus? Well, I, I'm not going to go into the fine detail of, of how these things might, might work. I mean, I think that, as I said, uh, we're, we're dealing with this in a much more uh, detailed, complete way. Um, through the the master planning effort, exactly what the right model is there for for um, what the order of hi- what the hi- hierarchy is of parking among students and faculty and staff are, uh, will at least be um, there will at least be uh, recommendations or, or uh, uh, comments in in that area there, um, uh, and and cl- you know clearly uh, one has to one always has to make the judgment of long term benefit versus um, you know short term pain. Um, I think historically. Uh, though one finds that people who indicate they may be willing to deal with short-term pain in reality uh, take a different uh, <laughs> tack when they actually have, have to, to do f- it, deal yeah. with the consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We actually have hit our halftime now. And I'm going to have to be taking my leave and turning it over to Adam because of the uh, commitment I've made with the, the uh, O'Bannon Institute. Oh. When this program got moved later, I have to take my leave. So. It's, it's, just, oh. it's just another example of how well we're the synchronicity between IU and Ivy Tech. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. And, and it uh, troubles me deeply to miss the second half of the program. But, <laughs> but uh, you, we are uh, doing an interview today with Michael McGrobbie, the president of Indiana University. We're thrilled to have him here. And uh, if you want to call in your questions, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations, Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU thanks all who support public radio. Next time you're visiting one of our business supporters, please let them know that you appreciate their support of WFIU. Perhaps you're involved in decision-making at a business or profession in the WFIU listening area. If you'd like your message to reach WFIU listeners, you can find out more about benefits of underwriting with a call to 1-800-662-3311 or a visit to our website at wfiu.org. And are we back? 
All right, we're back. And uh, it's Noon Edition here. I'm Adam Ragusea. I'm not going to sit in for Bob Zaltzberg as well as I can. And we have another half hour. We're privileged to have Indiana University President Michael McRobbie here and uh, willing and able to answer all of your questions. 855-0811 is the local call. The toll-free number is 877-285-9348. Or you can send an email to noon at indiana.edu, and we look forward to getting some more calls. But before we get there, uh, Mr. President, over the la- it's, we're, it's dead week here on uh, the Indiana University campus, and uh, everyone's getting ready to uh, take their finals and, uh, and get out of here. So it's a good chance to look at things in retrospect. And what would you say is your, most, uh, is your best moment of this year? What have you achieved over the course of this academic calendar that you're most proud of? Well, there's, there's probably uh, there's many, many things. I mean, I outlined a pretty ambitious and aggressive agenda in my inaugural speech and uh, uh, most of those, not quite all of those, have uh, have now been, um, we've started to take action on all of them, which I'm very pleased about. Um, but just to give you an idea of some of the things that I'm very pleased about, um, last year, about uh, July, August, I appointed uh, a, a new uh, team of administrators, a major new administrative team, eight new vice presidents, because uh, we had a series of retirements and um, and resignations and so on. And um, this this is a first-rate team that uh, is obviously going to play a major role in leading the university forward. So I was very, very pleased uh, to have got such a good team and to have attracted some really first-rate people to, to join my administration. Uh, secondly, matching the promise, uh, our um, which of course started certainly well before I took over as president, but moving that into the public phase, the success of that, uh, it's, a, it's a campaign to raise a billion dollars, of which we've now raised close to already $800 million. We've got another three years to go, so we'll easily raise the full amount there. You better knock on some wood, sir. Knock on wood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm really pleased to get the master planning uh, process underway. This this week at the trustees, it may be a record. We've got about uh, seven major new uh, construction projects for this campus all on the agenda for the trustees and most of those were, I think all of those uh, with one exception were projects I announced in my inauguration. Uh, The International Strategic Plan, moving that uh, forward, that's just come out. Um, Our uh, work in economic development under Bill Stephan's leadership. Um, And finally, I think um, doing a lot to communicate what the university is doing to the citizens of the state since I was my appointment was announced on the first of uh, March last year, I've given over two hundred speeches all around the state and uh, around the nation and a few overseas as well. And my wife is a partner with me, and this has probably given thirty or forty speeches as well. So we've been some as of active. which have been from the chair that you're sitting in right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you the opposite question. What was the most frustrating moment of your job over the last year? Oh, I think I, I would. I would obviously not be uh, being honest if I, if I said that. Um, that uh, that athletics wasn't uh, didn't cause me a lot of uh, um, I had to spend a lot of time on athletics to deal with the complexity of the issues there. Um, firstly, um, obviously, well, he and he passed away before I took over when Coach Hip uh, uh, died, and then having to um, uh, deal with the appointment of uh, new football coach, eventually appointing uh, Coach Lynch to that position. That uh, was. That took up a, a lot of time. Um, but when, you, when you imagined your life as, an in, as, a, as a university president, is that quite how you pictured it? I, I didn't think I'd have to be dealing with so much so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and obviously the, the situation in basketball. I mean, both uh, uh, Coach Samson's resignation and then a, and then uh, appointing uh, the appointment of Coach Crean. But I'm hoping that we will now move into an era of stability in athletics too. 
And, and the question always seems to come up, uh, and we hear it expressed so often in some of these emails. I'm trying. We have so many emails. I'm trying to synthesize a lot of the topics. Let me just uh, make that disclaimer to our our listeners there. Although we're open to more on a diversity of topics, noon at indiana.edu. Uh, a lot of the people just. It's, it seems that whenever there's a problem or a shakeup in athletics, uh, everyone starts to uh, try to reconsider the role of athletics in higher education, and they wonder really how appropriate it is, or if it is needing of reform and things like the Knight Foundation just seem to pop up every mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if going through this, if your own thinking on the topic has evolved over the course of this year. Yeah, it, it, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think that that it has just brought home to me just how essential it is for the athletics department to really be a full part uh, of the university and to be um, integrated into the university's priorities. I think one of the one of the concerns that the Knight uh, Commission and um, and the NCAA and others have raised is athletics quite can sometimes become a little removed from the priorities of the university. So, so I think the importance of that has been uh, reinforced um, uh, to me in the in the ten months or so I've been president. And and I think the 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 other thing that's been reinforced is that we must look at, on all of our all of our athletes, all of our student athletes as being exactly that student athletes. They're here at IU to get an education. The academic side of what they do is paramount and uh, we must uh, never forget that and that must be stressed and emphasised and all coaches and all other people working in athletics must always understand the, the, the just how paramount that is and of course obviously playing by the rules and complying with the, the uh, all the rules and regulations in all the various sports is, is essential too. And, and a lot of the questions that we have here are, are go some along, somewhere along the lines of uh, I see all this money being spent on a new athletics facility and what about uh, the academic facility that I would like to see happen. Any chance you could just review for our listeners how funding is delineated between the athletics department and the other aspects of the university? Well, the athletics department is basically a standalone department. That is that it gets a budget uh, from – uh, from ticket sales and other sources, and um, and that's what it uses to cover uh, its expenses with. The particular facilities which people are probably referring to at the moment, uh, one is the end zone football facility and at the football stadium, and the other uh, is the basketball practice facility, and both of those have been funded through our share of the revenues from the uh, Big Ten network. And uh, uh, now it is the case that there are there are in fact six projects, building projects going on at the moment on the on the campus, the um, uh, MSB two multidisciplinary science building two, the the data centre, the Hutton Honors College, and uh, the optometry research centre, and we'll have another six or seven underway as of this trustees meeting. So I think you're about to see um, maybe an almost an unprecedented boom in the building of academic research facilities and related facilities on this campus, um, probably unparalleled uh, for maybe 50 years. Which is to say nothing of everything that's going on in the uh, in the area of residence life. Well, I was including that in it, but that's right. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, we, our, our goal there, as you know, is to is to basically um, renovate uh, all of the, the dorms uh, over about the next uh, 10 to 12 years. So that's about, that's about 11,000 beds. Um, and, and I've said before on this very program that uh, I think the quality of our dorm rooms um, is in, in many cases um, not what it should be if we're to attract the best students and that's becoming an important part of attracting good students and uh, we need to um, bring all those dorms up to the modern, up to modern standards. 
We're talking with uh, Indiana University President Michael McRobbie here on a special edition of Noon Edition. And we have about 20 more minutes left with him. And we're welcome to your calls on a variety of topics. 877-285-9348 is the toll-free number. The phone number to call in the Bloomington calling area is 855-0811. Mr. President, let me ask you, we we hear constantly about the diminishing state support of the university. And I'm wondering if you could uh, quantify that in some more specific terms for our listeners. Is the is the state contribution uh, really going down from year to year or is it that it's just not keeping pace with the increase in expenses? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a little of both. Uh, it depends on the budget uh, um, by name some years. We uh, we pick up a little more some years. We we have um, what effective, effectively a modest cuts, um, but if you take into account the the cost of the higher education enterprise and inflation and so on, the the it's total. I don't have the exact figure in my head, but I remember rightly it's something like I think over the last maybe fifteen years the the total. Um, Amount of our budget that comes from the states fallen from about thirty percent now to just over twenty percent, and and that and the trend line is continues down, not not precipitously down, but slowly down. And what what are the consequences of that beyond the basic dollars and cents? Do you think that there that results in? Uh, do you think that it's important for Hoosiers across the state to feel personally invested in this their public university? Oh, I think so. I mean, this is. I mean, I, I mean, I, obviously, I completely agree with that. Uh, uh, this is the, the the state's flagship university, Indiana University, and and uh, and I think people uh, both expect that and, and and want that. But I am I am also mindful of the fact that um, the state uh, has um, a, a whole variety of of priorities and it, 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 economic times uh, fluctuate uh, uh, from okay to to poor, um, you know, fairly regularly. Uh, we're probably sadly moving into um, probably a difficult uh, couple of years or difficult um, uh, rest of the decade, I think, anyway, in, the, in that regard, and hopefully won't be, but uh, we have to be prepared for that. But um, uh, one of the real strengths of higher education in the United States is the, f- is the diversity of funding. And obviously, we want to sustain our state funding, and, and we also want to see if we can persuade the state, as we have in the past, and I'm, as I hope we will in the future, to fund special initiatives. We took a, a pretty aggressive life sciences initiative to them last time. This year, we'll take a, uh, a new um, health sciences initiative to them that'll be in partnership with Purdue, as was announced uh, by myself and President Cordova earlier this week. And, uh, and and we have in the past got special funding for information technology in certain other areas. So I see the way forward is probably that our basic budget from the state is not going to change much, but that we will uh, hope to be able to persuade the state from from biennium to biennium uh, of some important new initiative that we're taking. We were looking for specific support for that. Hmm, that's interesting. Right. Uh, let's go back to the phones. We have Nina on the line. Hi. Hi, Nina. What's your question? Yeah, my question is, after all the problems that the athletic department has had, um, has been facing the last few years, especially regarding the basketball program um, with the coaches, I was wondering, uh, President McRobbie, if you will ever direct those to Rick Greenspan and what you think his role has played in this problem. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into, um, you know, fine detail about these kinds of matters. I, I certainly have confidence in the athletics director. And one has to view um, his achievements in their totality. And uh, there have been many, many areas where he's, he's made fine achievements. And I think uh, the uh, getting Coach Crean, I think, is a, is a, is a great achievement that um, he can take um, a lot of personal pride into. I think he will uh, be a, 
a fine uh, coach for us. But you know, I uh, I um, am really interested in looking looking forward here rather than rehashing what may or may not have happened in the past. I mean, I don't think anything's to be served by doing that. And we have new coaches in both our major sports. We have fine. Um, Find coaches and fine athletes. I just met the women's rowing team the other night, who are, who are a wonderful bunch of young women um, who just won the champs uh, program uh, too, and that's another uh, team we should be very proud of. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really firmly fixed on the future here, not the past. Well, thank you very Hi. much for the call, Nina. Thank you. Let's go to the phones again. We have Phil waiting patiently. Hi, Phil. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. What's your question uh, regarding IU sports? Uh, I was wondering why does IU uh, license the use of its uh, logo, the interlocking insignia, IU interlocking insignia, to brewery companies such as Budweiser or Miller this year, um, when IU's trademark policy explicitly uh, prohibits that. I'm not aware that we do, um, I, but I really can't say anything more. I will. Uh, it's in liquor stores will, all over town. I will seek. I will seek to get an answer on that. Particularly, I will seek to get an answer on that uh, question. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Phil. Uh-huh. Uh, 877-285-9348 is the toll-free number. You can also make a local call, 855-0811, noon at indiana.edu. We have about 15 minutes left with President McRobbie here on Noon Edition today, and we're very honored to have him with us. Looking ahead to the future, let's go back to the issue of funding a little bit. So you're talking about uh, trying to get the legislature to focus a little bit more on specific projects as they look at your overall budget request. Are there projects that you think that will be particularly attractive to members of the legislature that you'll bring to them, and what would those be? Well, it, it will be uh, uh, projects in the in the life and health sciences. There's no doubt uh, that um, the, the, the there's a combination of issues there. One one is the the health of of Hoosiers, how to improve that. On most rankings of public health, um, obesity, cancer, diabetes, etc., we we rank uh, right at the bottom. And uh, I think that's a major concern to policymakers and and legislators uh, throughout the the state. So um, using the the very substantial resource capabilities of the university to specifically address those those issues and and other even more fundamental issues in the life and health sciences – has been met with with a lot of uh, uh, positive uh, positive remarks from the from the legislature. Now, um, uh, we we need to also combine that with the fact that we are a a, a major centre nationally for the biomedical sciences. We have a we obviously we have uh, Lilly here, and we have a number of other substantial companies here. So there is the opportunity to work more closely with them to to take the innovations coming out of our laboratories and. Um, and see them turn into into uh, new products and uh, treatments and services and so on as well. So so um, and and that's different. That, that area is different, say, to information technology, which is really harder to to be prominent in on the same scale as a place like Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Silicon Valley is such a colossus. This is no way anybody could ever get close. The biomedical sciences, there's not the equivalent of the Silicon Valley of the biomedical sciences. Th- that said, I mean, it's amazing how uh, when you travel around the country, there are so many areas that are trying to do precisely what Indiana right. is doing. Oh, sure. Uh, St. Louis, Michigan. I mean, right. everybody wants to be the next biomedical right. mecca. How right. do you make sure that Indiana uh, ends up uh, being just Well, that? I mean, there's, the, there's no guarantee we can do it. But, I mean, it's, it's the area where I think we have our best chance for competitive advantage um, in the the new economy and uh, new areas of technology, uh, and, and that's a combination of things: um, uh, really outstanding uh, 
basic uh, research and, uh, and and very fine applied research too on this campus, uh, fine um, clinical research and, and other basic research at Indianapolis, the nation's second largest uh, medical school, and uh, a lot of a lot of other related de- uh, areas of good research up there, biomedical engineering and so on. And then when, when we combine that with with the strengths that Purdue has in this area as well, you, you start to assemble a pretty formidable range of research expertise in in the broad research enterprise across our three major research campuses. Combine that with the medical education centre scattered around the state and uh, it, it, it starts to have a statewide impact as well. So so I think it's the, it, it's the area where we have the best opportunity. As I said, also combine that with the major... Uh, major uh, companies in this area who are resident in Indianapolis and elsewhere. The orthopaedic industry in Warsaw is, I believe, the biggest single concentration of such companies in the world. And and so we do have a, a really major competitive advantage there over many other states that if we can um, bring it all together in a more um, sort of coherent, organised way, gives us at least an opportunity to be competitive with uh, the, the places that you mentioned and other places like Baltimore and San Diego and uh, Boston. Let's go back to the phones. We have Nasreen on the line. Hello? Hi, Hi Nasreen. You're on the air with the president. Yes. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Mr. President. Hi. I am uh, bringing a subject that perhaps because I arrived late this afternoon um, to listen to this wonderful discussion. Perhaps well, it we're has glad been... to have you now. So go ahead with yes. your question. Uh, it is, I would like to ask about the state of the arts in this university. It seems to me, as everybody is complaining in the field of the arts, that there is minimum, if any, support and sponsorship for the arts, and uh, especially for an important venue as a multi-art. And I was wondering if there is anything new or any uh, hope uh, to have for this, there is the frontiers of knowledge, but that's for the uh, professors, usually for the graduate students and for the others. There isn't that much, especially for graduate students. Um, so this is my question. Well, let, let me say a couple of things there. Um, uh, firstly, we're about to start uh, the construction of a new music building, a new music practice and rehearsal uh, building, um, which has been funded with a $44 million gift from the Lilly Endowment, for which we are extremely grateful as always. Um, uh, then the new international building that I announced that we're moving towards the start of will house all of our major, um, most of our major programs uh, in the international areas of the humanities um, that are concerned with foreign languages and uh, uh, the study of foreign cultures and so on, and um, that building uh, is in the vicinity of forty million dollars plus, and we are starting the renovation of the old university theatre and part of the area behind it, and turning that into a new cinema complex uh, for the scholarly study of film and for the and for the use of uh, film in the curriculum, which is becoming increasingly more common um, around the country. The total investment in those three facilities will be in the range of $100 million, which I think is about the biggest single investment in the arts and humanities on this campus, uh, probably for at least at least uh, 50 years. Um, then you combine that with the New Frontiers program that you were referring to. That is certainly open to graduate students, um, certainly in conjunction with uh, professors. And that's put a million dollars a year into the support of the arts and humanities, mainly the arts. 
and there's a wonderful collection of programs that is the, the new, new initiatives that have come out of that uh, new works of art new new paintings new works of poetry new books um, new plays new dance it's it's just remarkable it's it's um, to me it's uh, it's indicative of just how much pent up creativity there is out there among people in the in the arts and humanities and I certainly intend to make sure that that program um, continues Thank you. Thanks for the call, Nesreen. It, it, it's, it is something that seems to come up perennially uh, that uh, the Indiana University has such historic strengths in the arts and humanities over over just decades of, of very, very proud history. And I think there was you know, some anxiety in the community uh, going into your presidency with someone who is such a science guy uh, and, so, and, so, and that's paired with all of the, the, the biotech initiatives that the, uh, that the state and the university are taking on that they might get forgotten. But I hear a, a pretty clear message from you so, that's so, not going to so, happen. A science guy who goes to nearly every opera and concert. That's true, exactly, yeah. And is, is an art and book collector. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we have time for a couple more questions here. We have uh, seven minutes left. 877-285-9348 or 855-0811. I want to ask a, a big question, which is that uh, sometime around August, uh, we're expecting to see a uh, – a report looking at the feasibility of high-speed rail uh, going from Muncie to Bloomington by way of Indianapolis and a couple of stops in between. And if the legislature uh, looks at that and doesn't uh, seem to show any movement on it, is there some kind of really ambitious or enhanced uh, method of connecting IUPUI and IU Bloomington that you think the university might want to start looking at in its its distant future? Well, that's that's a... Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. I mean, I, I, um, I, I'm a personal lover of rail travel. Uh, I've spent various periods in Europe. I was there on a sabbatical once for six months and, and I think I hardly ever used the plane and used trains for all my travel around Europe and, uh, and, and it uh, was convenient and, um, and, and a wonderful way to travel. And clearly when we're talking about uh, issues of sustainability and, uh, and energy Issues um, where we're seeing fuel prices continuing to increase amazingly, uh, uh, the the attractiveness of of rail transport is, I think, just only going to be only but increase. Um, I know that one of my predecessors, President Tom Ehrlich, looked at this matter and was very supportive of it, but I don't believe it went anywhere. But that was also in an era of cheap. Uh, cheap energy. Um, I, I confess to not being fully across the fine detail of, of these issues. Um, I will await that report with uh, considerable interest. Uh, if uh, and I, I certainly would um, will look at it uh, very seriously in terms of how the university might may support that. Uh, um, I, I think that that the opportunity of linking um, many of the major cities in the state by a, a good rail system is. It's a wonderful idea. The big problem, of course, will be where do you get the capital from to invest in it? Uh, but I wonder if uh, as IT becomes uh, a bigger, bigger picture as, uh, as uh, the way that we communicate with each other, uh, is the physical interconnectivity of all the campuses of the IU system, is that going to decrease in its importance? Uh, I, I think, I think uh, I've heard that ever since I got here over 11 years ago mm-hmm. and it doesn't really appear to be completely true. I, I, without going into the fine detail, because you, you know I'm an information technologist, I think part I of love it, fine detail. For the <laughs> but your listeners may not. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think the, I think the issue is that uh, collaborative technologies, um, the kinds of video conferencing that are available today, are still not um, utterly straightforward and are still not of high enough quality. 
I mean, you want you want your video conferencing technology to be like the web, as simple and straightforward to use as that, and it isn't yet. Um, and you want the level of interaction to be comparable to the level of interaction that you and I are having sort of sitting opposite each other in the studio here, and uh, and it's not. Um, now, there, the, there has been recent developments that look extremely impressive that, that may indicate we're getting close to that. Uh, if we really, if we do, if information technologists crack the holy grail of of really high quality, collaborative, easy to use technologies, um, then I really think you will start to see a diminishing um, importance in physical presence, and obviously that will impact our our regional campuses as well. We have just uh, about four minutes left in the three. I'm sorry, three minutes left in the program. So I want to I want to leave those three minutes to you, uh, President McRobbie. What's on your agenda for the next academic year, and what are you going to do over the summer? <laughs> I think most of my most of my summer's taken up with meetings or <laughs> or uh, trips or something. Um, I'm t- hopefully taking a little bit of vacation. Uh, I, I think uh, I've also got um, uh, my son's coming here to IU next year, so we have to get get him uh, organised to come to IU. And my um, stepdaughter's going to the University of Chicago, so we're going to need to get her organised, which leaves us with just one teenager at home. Um, but uh, I think some of the issues next year, um, obviously. Uh, um, and I've already indicated that uh, uh, we'll be looking at um, uh, how to address the very sustainability uh, uh, um, challenges in front of the university. I mean, that's I mean, I've already made that clear. Secondly, um, I think we're going to need to look at uh, um, uh, healthcare costs. It's a it's a major area. Um, for the university. Uh, remember that the Clarion Hospital system is IU and Methodist. I mean, that really, when you see Clarion, uh, you should always view that as IU Methodist. Uh, and I'm, I've been talking informally at the moment to to Dean Brader and to uh, Dan Evans, the CEO of Clarion, about how we might work more closely together to reduce our healthcare costs. It's one of the major uh, one of the major problems for our budget is how rapidly they grow. And one thing that we haven't heard about in a while was the proposal for an IU health clinic for uh, personnel, for faculty and right. staff. I put that on hold when I became president because um, at the moment, um, I may change my mind, but at the moment my view is we can do, we can probably do that a lot better in other ways, especially with the with this close relationship with Clarion that we do have. All right. Uh, Ten seconds left in the program. Mr. President, uh, anything you'd like to say to all of the uh, faculty and students who are hitting the books right now, uh, anything to get them through final season? Oh, well, to my faculty colleagues, uh, my thanks for all you've done to uh, not only sustain our reputation, but to increase our reputation as a great research institution. And to all the students, work really hard to get through those exams as well as you can, and I'll see you at graduation. Well, President McRobbie, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been a special edition of Noon Edition here on WFIU. We'll be broadcasting it for a second time on Monday. Uh, we'll also have it available via podcast probably somewhere around 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, I'm Adam Ragusia for producer Catherine Hageman and engineer Mike Pascash. Thanks so much for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.